welcome to the Acupuncture Outsider podcast. My name is Richard Hazel, and in the time it takes for you to commute to or from work, I hope to have shared something of interest about orthopedic acupuncture using motor points, trigger points, myofascial slings, uh, neurofunctional acupuncture, segmental treatments, anything that crosses my mind that seems to be of interest. I hope you'll enjoy it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Acupuncture Outsider. This is Richard Hazel and I'm talking to you from snowy Buffalo, New York, where we just had about a foot of snow. Um, I want to talk about a, I think, interesting um, shoulder pain patient. Now, I've I've discussed this exact um, problem in previous in a previous episode with one of my senior citizens, but this is a CrossFit athlete. Um, she she goes to the CrossFit gym six times a week. And she's been doing that for a long time. And she's a regular patient. I, I see her once a month for her normal maintenance that she needs so that she can train doing CrossFit six times a week, which she loves. Um, but she saw her chiropractor who suggested that she has a shoulder impingement. So I said, oh, so so it hurts on abduction at the at the joint, right at that glenohumeral uh, joint. Um, and she said, no, it actually hurts in the front. And I thought that it was a bicep um, tendon strain, but the chiropractor is telling me that it's not. So I asked her more. I wanted to see what movement provoked the pain and where she feels the pain. And it was pretty much going straight down the front of the deltoid, just like the bicep, te- um, the bicep tendon and bicep would. Um, but that's not what I suspected because when she stood facing me and she was wearing a tank top for treatment, um, her, the side that was affected, her left shoulder was noticeably internally rotated. Like the pec minor was tight and pulling it forward. Um, the whole, the whole shoulder, the whole deltoid looked like it was internally rotated and pulled forward. So we talked about that and I was asking her, so, okay, let's show me the movement where you get the pain. And so she would have pain on abduction and shoulder flexion. So I decided to test the muscles that attach at that intertubercular sulcus of the humerus at the front of the humerus. And, and I of course suspected pec minor is involved. And so for normal normal um, shoulder impingement, what we're suspecting is an exaggerated um, upper cross syndrome with the tight pecs, the weak serratus anterior, maybe, maybe scapular um, winging a bit. Um, the scapula will be tilted forward. And this could be postural for someone who's older um, like I said, sort of like a forward head placement upper cross syndrome with tight packs and weak uh, rhomboids and weak uh, low trapezius, things like that. 
um, tight serratus, serratus anterior pulling the shoulder forward in a protracted state, something you see for desk workers, office workers. Um, but my patient has has very good posture. She's she's fit. She's she she really I think she's close to 40, but you know, she's doing way better than most people her age. She's in great shape. Um and she doesn't have bad posture. So we talked about that, the anterior tilt of the scapula and how it changes the way the humerus sits in the um in the glenoid fossa and that sort of centration issue that you'll have um, for poor posture or for an, an anterior tilted um scapula and my suspicion was that that was not really what was going on here um, because the pain wasn't where you would expect it to be normally you'll expect to, it would be an impingement of the supraspinatus tendon um, something that would go across the, uh, the the glenohumeral joint and it would get impinged on shoulder abduction um, but that's you know so she did have some pain on abduction but but she had pain on flexion as well and the pain wasn't at the joint it was in the front of the humerus in the front of the arm so I had her lie back on her back on the table and you could already see that the the left shoulder was a bit more off the table than the right and to, to me that's that is a length test for the pec minor so just lying there with her arms by her side. Um, so we know her pec minor was tight. And there is that does create a bit of anterior tilt. But again, the pain wasn't like a normal impingement. Uh, it was pain on the front. So um, I had her raise her arms straight over her head for a lat length test. And she said, oh, significant pulling on the left side. So I said, okay, well, then we know your lats are super tight on the left. How about let's do length test for the two heads of the pec major that I'm concerned about. So put your arms straight out to the side and tell me if you feel any more pulling on the left side than the right side. And she said no. So the clavicular head of the pec major was not shorter on the left than the right and then i had her put her arms in a y position sort of almost overhead but you know further out like like the letter y and um because that's how you line the the arms up with the fibers of the sternal head of the pec major so she did that and she felt significant pulling in the left pec major the sternal head so we knew that was positive Okay, so why is that relevant? Pec major and teres major and the latissimus dorsi all attach at the front of the humerus at that intertubercular sulcus. So we know those were tight, right? Um, and I wasn't even going to test teres major. I just knew, I just decided I, I'm going to treat it regardless. So um, so that's where we set out. I... I um, I put needles in uh, for the pec minor, the pec major sternal head, um, and I decided um, while I'm at it, let me go ahead and treat the um, 
corcobrachialis, and the anterior deltoid because those are overworking for sure, especially with this injury. So I, I treated those uh, maybe five minutes, took the needles out, had her sit up, and um, she had significant reduction in pain. There was still a little bit. Um, I also asked her, like, what position, can you do like an overhead press? And so she said, I can do it without much pain, but it feels more restricted on the left side. So <clears throat> I had her lie on her side. I did, um, I did some dry needling of her lat. I found some really good ropey, juicy parts of the lat that were definitely restricting her. Got some great fasciculations. And then I had her test again and it was like 90%. It was way better. Um, but she still felt that in the back there was some restriction. So what I started to think about was, well, she's in external rotation and she's going into abduction. So she's like, like an overhead press, right? Um, so I said, well, let's do some normal rotator cuff maintenance just because the external rotation is, your, is, is gonna be infraspinatus. And if your shoulder has been pulled into an internal rotation, an internally rotated position, then certainly teres minor and infraspinatus have been fighting that uh, just to maintain your normal posture. So let's let's work on that. So I had her lie on her side. I did infraspinatus, teres minor, um, teres major, <clears throat> because that's the other internal rotator that um, that attaches at the front of the humerus, and uh, supraspinatus, and I think that might be it. And then I had her tested again, and it felt significantly better, but still a little tight. And so I was thinking, okay, well, the last thing that I wanted to do anyway was treat the serratus anterior, because certainly, and I know from this patient, we need to stay on top of that for her. She does a lot of kipping pull-ups and things that really, I think, wreck a person's serratus anterior. Um, plus, she's a desk worker. She, she does she's a professional. Um, so, uh, I treated the serratus anterior. It really was so, it was one of those situations where you, where you put the pointer on the needle and it just is kind of moving and then it starts to really rock and it got really strong. So we know her serratus anterior was definitely weak. Um, so once I did that, then she was great. She felt great. Um, for... For her follow-up, I said, you know, we might want to put you on the books for next week just because if you're going back to train um, a lot, then I would want to just make sure that you're good. So she said, well, I'm already on the books for next week. I got on your wait list and I was lucky to get in this week. Um, so, so I said, okay, well, keep next week. And then if you're feeling good and you don't need it, just cancel uh, give me a day's notice and cancel, and then and then I'll see you in a month for maintenance. So if I don't see you next week, I know it's good news. Um, otherwise, I'll see you in a week, and we'll just make sure, you know, we'll just take care of anything that maybe isn't 100%. So um, I wanted to talk about that case because I think it's important to continue to repeat that it's that we need to 
have an idea of what's going on and then test the theory as opposed to just testing muscles and hoping you find something that's weak because you you might find weak muscles that are not the cause and you'll just tell yourself yeah okay that was weak so that was the problem and i'm treating it and so now of course they'll be better but i i personally think um had i done the sort of routine that people seem to want to do which is to test out all the deltoids, test all three deltoids, test the rotator cuff, internal, external rotation, test, test the supraspinatus, uh, test the serratus anterior, and then just treat whatever's weak. I personally think, had I done that, we would have elicited pain on the anterior and the medial deltoid because those movements were creating the impingement in the front. They're not impingement, but the pain that was in the front. Um, I believe that on an anterior deltoid test, it would have provoked that pain. Um, and I believe because when she did abduct, she felt it in the front of the deltoid area, like a bicep tendon area, um, we would have said, okay, that's positive, so we'll treat medial deltoid. Um, and I think it would have totally missed the boat because her problems were were not the pain was not primarily coming from deltoids or rotator cuff yes there there was an underlying weakness of the serratus anterior but but would she have gotten the same good result if we had just treated what tested painful or or weak which would have been anterior deltoid medial deltoid possibly infraspinatus and serratus anterior. We would have um, completely missed the pectoralis major, the pec minor, the lat, and the teres major. Would we not? If that's what we were doing, we would not have treated the lat, and we would not have treated the teres major or the pectoralis major, if that's our methodology. Um, the point I want to make is it's nice. It's, it's, it's really nice to have things be simple and just test and just muscle test and then just treat what's weak and then post something on Facebook when they don't get better and hope somebody tells you what to do, but we can do better. Um, we need to do better. And when we really actually understand compensation and the origin insertion and action of the muscles and the variations of what those muscles do because not every muscle just does one thing then we start to i believe be able to um, intuitively understand what is causing the problem so that if we do need to do some testing, and I, you see, I, do, I did more length testing than I did muscle tests. Um, do some length tests and do, or do some muscle tests and confirm your theory. But I'm, I'm so much more a fan of length tests than I am muscle tests these days. Um, because I, I don't, I feel like a lot of the problems are shortened muscles. More, and and the best way to find a short muscle is to length test, right? So um, 
So I I just wanted to put it out there, and I probably pissed some people off, but you know, that's okay. Um, it's a discussion worth having. Muscle testing is awesome, but we should know what's wrong, or we should have a good sense of what's wrong before we muscle test. And I feel like there's a lot of people out there who probably have taken some courses and learned some motor points and learned some orthopedic testing, and now they feel like they're just like riding high and doing great, and they don't even know why stuff is happening. They don't, they don't really have the background knowledge of why that compensation is happening. So um, I, on that note, um, I talk about all of these things in my shoulder course on Podia. Um, I'm going to be teaching that and even more advanced um, shoulder treatments in Sydney in February. You know, Sydney, this is the first time I'm teaching four days in a row. Um, but I'm covering the shoulder girdle. And that includes all those scapular stabilizers that you guys aren't testing. You know, the, the, um, the mid and lower traps, the rhomboids. Um, considering the, those underlying, you know, pec minor, things like that. If you're just doing the regular, you know, muscle tests, uh, that's getting completely ignored. Um, I'm covering all these things about the lats and the teres major and all of those and, and giving a way to test and see what's, uh, what's short and what's, uh, causing the problem. How do you differentiate between, uh, a problem with the short head of the bicep or the coracobrachialis or the pec minor when you've got some internal rotation of the shoulder. Um, I'm covering a lot of stuff like that. Plus, we're doing some nerve trunks. We're doing the dorsal scapular nerve trunk, which gets the rhomboid major minor and the, and the levator scapulae all with one needle. Pretty beautiful. Awesome way to do a neck or a shoulder treatment. Um, because those rhomboids, uh, rhomboids are, are a sling from the spine to the scapula that are then contiguous with the serratus anterior so the the rhomboids become the retractor of the scapulae and then the serratus anterior is a protractor as well as an upward rotator of the scapula and then the rhomboids can do downward rotation so they do retraction and downward rotation and the serratus anterior does protraction and upward rotation and the levator scapulae it does downward rotation and elevation and when the three when those groups all contract, they stabilize the scapula against the rib cage, creating a base of support so that your shoulder can do work. And then the rotator cuff should be doing dynamic stabilization of the joint, but should not be the primary stabilizer of the shoulder girdle. And uh, that's how things get injured because you get weak scapular stabilizers and then the rotator cuff and the deltoids have to overwork and in some cases, you can see the lats might be overworking, or the teres major might be overworking, or the pecs are overworking. And think about how the pecs are prone to tightness and to weakness. They're, they're power muscles, but they're, they're very strong, and they can shorten um, and pull the shoulder forward 
weakening the mid back and changing your posture and ruining your posture. Um, but I'm covering that in Sydney. We're going to do headaches. Um, we're t- I'm talking about nerve entrapments that, that cause migraines, um, the auricular temporal nerve, the, the lesser, greater, and, and third occipital nerves and how those get entrapped, what muscles are involved. Um, and I'm looking at um, the superorbital nerve entrapment that causes um, face, facial pain above the eye, like a forehead um, pain referral, and how to treat that. And we're going to do, I've included in the advanced day, we're doing a Bell's palsy treatment, um, or I should just say facial paralysis. It doesn't have to be Bell's palsy, but um, a way, you know, a treatment that works well for stimulating the different branches of the facial nerve. Um, doing trigger points. Um, I did some trigger points in Amsterdam, but because I have an extra day in Sydney, we're going to get a lot more into the palpation and assessment, um, not just for headaches, but for shoulder pain and other things um, with trigger point uh, treatments and nerve trunk for musculocutaneous nerve, nerve trunk for uh, the radial nerve septum, the radio, the, inter, the lateral intramuscular septum where the radial nerve goes through the near the um, brachialis. Um, things you can use for neuropathies, basically. Numbness, tingling, pain. Um, or, or sometimes it's inhibition from an injury like a bicep tear. Uh, you might want to use the musculocutaneous uh, nerve trunk once it's healed and get the muscle fire- firing better. So we're doing some really cool stuff that I've never been able to cover um, up till now just because th- it's a lot, you know? Like sometimes I'll, I'll go into a two-day class and I give people the slides and they they choke because it's like th- 350 slides. They want to print it out so they can write on it. And they, they, they get their slide deck and they're like, holy cow. 350 slides. Well, that's just two days. So who knows? I don't know if I'm going to approach 700 slides, but um, it's a lot. It's a lot of material that I create and I put a lot of effort into it and I try to organize it in a way that people can grasp it and remember it because that's part of the problem. Um, When you go to a a course and they just throw tons of information at you and they don't give you a way to organize it in your head, um, you won't hold on to it, you know? people think in concepts. And so, you know, I like to teach the way I need to learn, which is it needs to make sense to me. It needs to, it needs to um, be contextualized so that I really understand what is happening and I can think in the concept and not just remember facts. Like I never want someone to go out of a, a course that I taught and just have to think of a list like you did in school. You know, in school, you might have to memorize lists of things that are related to something. And you just have to remember all the lists. And maybe you come up with some sort of mnemonic or something. I never want that. I don't want somebody to have to remember lists. I want them to remember concepts because you can... If you understand a concept, then you're free. You can assess because you understand how the body is supposed to move and how these muscles work together. 
and 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 what's going to get tight when there's a, a breakdown of the stabilizers, things like that. We need to understand things as a concept and not just a list, a list of things. Um, so anyway, that that is in my that is in the shoulder course. It's already on Podia, but I'm excited about the Sydney uh, four day, and they are recording it, and it will go on Podia sometime in March. Um, so I'm excited about that because it's stuff that I I have not. Well, some of it I taught for the first time in Amsterdam. Some of this I've never taught before, and I really think this is going to be a great four day. Um, seminar that I, I will hopefully be repeating on other continents. Um, so that's, uh, I wanted to talk about that, the shoulder, um, that shoulder issue, because it, it gives me an opportunity to, um, step on my soapbox about understanding the problem and then testing to prove your theory, as opposed to just testing everything and hope you find something that's weak. Because I feel like that's where we are right now. I'm I'm excited. Our our, our profession has come so far since um, back when I was first starting to teach. We've come so far, and I think that's great. We can even we can talk about muscle names. You know, when I came <laughs> when I came out of PCOM and I'd go to a Facebook group for acupuncturists, I couldn't even talk about muscles. I know, like some of you are are probably you don't pro, don't you probably are newer and this is just the new this is the normal for you but i promise you when i would put when i would talk about things in in facebook groups i almost had to apologize i didn't apologize but i felt like i needed to apologize that i was going to talk about muscles um instead of points and there's still people who come to my uh, Facebook motor point group and they still want to say they have pain at this acupuncture point or that acupuncture point and I just it drives me crazy because the acupuncture point is not the problem tell me what muscle hurts and on what movement and then we're starting to be on the same page because there's you could point to an acupuncture point and have multiple layers of muscle below that point so which one is it you know at least talk about a movement and don't tell me what acupuncture point hurts um okay that's enough um what do i want to say okay the motor point the motor point location video course on podia is getting good feedback i've gotten some actually some really excellent feedback and i just wanted to let you know that this weekend because i'm doing something with china books to promote the Sydney thing, I did some videos and uh, three of those videos are going to go up soon, as soon as I edit. Um, nerve trunk stimulation for the musculocutaneous nerve, the dorsal scapular nerve, and that radial nerve, um, uh, what am I saying, septum. Um, those three nerve trunks are going to go up uh, I will be putting more nerve trunks as I can uh, video video them, and some will be for lower body. One of my favorites is the deep peroneal nerve trunk for uh, drop foot. But more more to come. But just letting you know, the people who have the course will will automatically have access to new 
videos as I add them to the course. There's no extra charge and the course does not expire. Once you're in, you are in and you're not going to pay ever again, even though a lot of amazing new material will be added as we go. Okay. So, um, I guess that's it. That's it for now. Uh, I will be, um, recording next week, I believe, but to, uh, those who celebrate happy Hanukkah and, um, to those who celebrate Merry Christmas. And I will uh, talk to you all very soon. Take care.